Hey there, and welcome to the Rock Reavers podcast. Here we are all about believing and proclaiming the word. We're totally given to true worship and obedient in taking the gospel to the nations through missions. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope that you'll be blessed by this message. So I will read the word for you today. I will read for the word for you today. Now, there is a text in the book of Revelations chapter 3. I believe it's verse 20 that says, Behold, I stand at the door of your heart and knock. If anyone opens, I will come in and have fellowship with him. I will come in and eat with him and he with me. These are the words of Jesus to the church. Jesus, oh, this is powerful. Jesus declares in Revelation chapter 3 verse 20 of a desire to have fellowship with you. Now, there is a scripture I want you to share with your neighbor. It's in Titus. I will lead you through it. Titus chapter 1 verse 15. Now, it says, to the pure, say to your neighbor, to the pure, all things are pure. To the pure, all things are pure. Then it goes ahead to say, but to those who are defiled and unbelieving, all things are impure because their conscience and their minds have been defiled. So I know that today I am speaking to the pure. You will understand why I'm giving this disclaimer in a moment. Now, another disclaimer, Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, says all scripture, tell your neighbor, all scripture, Every word in the Bible, tell your neighbor, every word in the Bible, it is God-breathed. It is useful for teaching, rebuking, and training you in righteousness so that you as a man of God might be fully equipped. Now today I'm going to read a lot from the book of Songs of Solomon. That is why I gave that disclaimer. Some of you who have never interacted with that book might wonder, is this the Bible? Is this a pastor? I assure you that all scripture, including the book of Songs of Solomon, is God-breathed. Now, I appreciate the Lord for the return of Pastor Kogi Karyoke. Pastor Kogi is in the house. The last time he led us, he was single. But now he's a happily married man to Masi Kimondo Karyoke. I'm assuming it's karaoke. Come on, clap for them and receive them. They are back. They are well. Masi looks happy. It means Kogi is doing a great job. One of the graces we have had in Rivers is the grace for weddings. We have had six weddings so far. Yesterday we had the wedding of Pastor Kevin Owino. Now, if you want to know that law is a responsibility, you should have come to Pastor Kevin's wedding. One, if you had missed it, it's going to be on my Shamagic East. Not on KBC. It's on DSTV Premium. So I hope you have subscribed so that you get to see the wedding of Pastor Kevin Owen. It's going to be featured on my Shamagic East. And I thank God for, for the gift of marriage. Now there are three uh, steps to Christian uh, dating and courtship. Pastor Doc is editing to see whether it aligns with his content for PMCC. And you will see it in the book of Songs of Solomon. Now let me start by telling you, Songs of Solomon is a poem that is written by Solomon to a woman called the Shulamite woman. 
But the greater reality of Songs of Solomon is a poem that has been written by Christ to his church. Now, there are many institutions that God has used to show his love to the church. The greatest of them is the institution of marriage. That's why in Ephesians 5, when Paul talks to wives and tells them, wives, submit to your husbands, and to husbands and tells them, husbands, love your wife. He later says, I am not talking about your marriage, but I'm talking about a greater truth of the relationship between Christ and the church. Now, the three stages of a godly relationship. I know some of you did not come for marriage advice, but take this for free. Now, there is a time when you meet a woman of God who your heart is drawn to. I don't know whether you remember that time for those who've been married. You meet a woman and your heart looks at that woman and you knew this is the woman that I want to get married to. Do you remember that phase of your life when you saw her and she was the most beautiful thing that your eyes had gazed upon? Now, at this stage, there is attraction on three levels. Your soul wants to be with her soul. Your spirit, I will back into the scripture, wants to be with her spirit. And at that time, there is a temptation for there to be a bodily union. The temptation is there, but the permission is not there. The issue is the permission. So it is a good desire, but the time for the expression of that desire has not come. That is why when you're dating and your wife or wife-to-be's father finds you in her bedroom, he might kill you because it is not time for you to be in the same bedroom. Yet on the wedding day, he proudly gives you his daughter and allows you to go with her for honeymoon and even calls you the next day to find out how you are doing. He even sends you money to spend on honeymoon with his daughter. It is because... At that stage of courtship, there is an expression, there is a desire that is in you whose time has not yet come. Now, enters the wedding day, the beautiful wedding day. Please go to the last wedding that you attended. During the day, it is glorious, it is beautiful, it is wonderful, it is filled with flowers. Now, it is said that uh, women look forward to the wedding day. Is that true? And men look forward to the wedding night. Is that true, men? Please be honest with me. Men look forward to the wedding night. I know this is an uncomfortable sermon, but I promise that it is God that sent me to preach to you this sermon. Now, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Story time. At I'm, I'm looking for the right word so that I don't scandalize some of you. Human sexual expression at its height and in the right context and in the right time is an expression of God's love for you. It is an expression of God's love for you. That is why the enemy has attacked sexuality. He makes sure that those who are not supposed to have it are having it. And he also makes sure that those who are supposed to have it are not having it. Because he knows that at the height of it, human sexual expression is an expression of God's love to humanity. Now, there's a word called koinonia. You will hear me using this word a lot in the next three Sundays. Koinonia is the word, it's a Greek word for fellowship. 
It is a Greek word for fellowship. It is the word that reflects what God wants to have with you. So when Christ says in Revelation chapter 3 that I want to come and eat with you, he is saying I want to come and have fellowship with you. I want to come and have koinonia with you. Now the description of koinonia is in three terms. It is fellowship. I don't know whether you have had authentic fellowship. Have you ever met a long lost friend in Java or Kempinski or Kibandanski and you laughed so hard and you said we should do this again. You bore your heart to them. You shared your weaknesses with them and they did not judge you. And you said we should do this again. Intimate, genuine expression of love and friendship, fellowship. Now the other two words that koinonia describes is intimacy, soul-to-soul intimacy. The third word is intercourse. That is why I am saying that at the height of it, human sexual expression in the context that God has created it is the highest expression of God's love for you. Now, it is not that sexual intimacy came from Satan. I know you've been taught and you've been warned all your life about it. It is a gift from God that has been defiled by Satan. It is a gift from God to be enjoyed at the right time. And it is an example to you of the love that God has for you. Are we together? It is an expression in the earthly realm of the affection that your father, that Jesus has for you in the heavenly realm. That is why for us as believers, there will never be a time we shall be cool enough to accept gay weddings. Because it is bigger than two people coming together. It has to be how God defined it. Regardless of how cool we become as a church and how seeker-friendly we become as a church, there is no day we will allow a woman to be married to a woman. Because that is not the plan of God. Because this institution has a greater reality than two people sleeping on one bed. So God will never permit it. God will never accept it. There is no day that God will accept that it is right and legal for he who is not married to engage in sex and sexual intimacy. Because it is not the time for it. God will not allow it. And God will not permit it. Now one of the one of the things that the enemy does to believers is he makes us glory in things that should cause us shame. So I've been on an application that is on my phone. It's called TikTok. Now on TikTok, I was scrolling through. And there's this side because I do not have an account. So there's this side for people who do not have an account. You know, there's that side for those who are committed. They have given their email, they have followers, and they are following people. So on the flip side, there is a side for those who do not have an account. So they give recommendations of videos for you. And one of the saddest things I saw was a video from Kenya of a young man. I think it was in a mall. It was in Thika Road Mall, if I remember correctly. And this young man went around asking young people, what is your body count? So I did my research from those who are hip and young like Chesa, and I discovered what is the meaning of body count. So apparently, for those of us who are not averse to this language. Body count is, it is a, a number of the, it is a count of the number of people that a person has slept with. So people who are casually telling them, ah, my body count is 50. And this is a child who's 19 years of age. You're like, what? This is something that should cause you shame. 
but you are able to tell it to a stranger casually, laughing, giggling. My body count is 50. Homosexuality is something that should cause us shame. But the enemy has made it to be such a glorious thing. There are people, there are men of the cloth who call themselves gay pastors. There is an Anglican council in the West that has said it is okay against the council of scripture for there to be members of the clergy who are gay. It is not possible for a man to redefine the boundaries of sexual intimacy because sexual intimacy in its nature carries a greater truth. It is not about you. It is not about the woman or the man that you desire to be with. It is about God. It is about his church. It is about the reality that Jesus wants to have intimacy with his church. Jesus desires to have a soul-to-soul -soul connection with his church. Jesus desires to have a body-to-body -body connection with his church. Jesus desires to have a spirit-to-spirit -spirit connection with his church. Now, the book of Songs of Solomon is a love letter to you. You are the girl. You are the Shulamite woman. I know there are men who are uncomfortable with that uh, reality. You're being pursued. I know if you're old school like me, in earlier days before I got married, one of the things that used to repulse me is being pursued by a woman. I wanted to pursue the woman that I wanted to marry. And anytime a woman pursued me, it would be like, no, this is not happening because the order is not right. But today, men are who? You are the Shulamite woman. So every time you read this book and you read the part of the beloved, know that God is talking about you. Know that God is expressing his love for you. Know that God is expressing his desire to have koinonia with you. Know that God is expressing his desire to be one with you. Now, the book of Songs of Solomon is divided into three segments. The first segment is from chapter 1 to chapter 4. I hope you go and read it at home. Chapter 1 to chapter 4, it is the time that Solomon is pursuing the Shulamite woman. Solomon is wooing the Shulamite woman. Solomon wants to marry the Shulamite woman. Solomon is convincing the Shulamite woman that I am the man that you'd give yourself to. In chapter 4, we see the wedding between Solomon and the Shulamite woman. And from chapter 5 and onwards, we see the reality of a union and of a marriage between the Shulamite woman and Solomon. In chapter 1, for those of you who don't know God, God wants to show you how hard he pursues you and how much he loves you and how much he is willing and how far he is willing to go so that he might find you because God is serious with the pursuit of you. So I'll read for you Songs of Solomon chapter 1. If you have your Bible, you can read with me. Now chapter 1 says that these are the songs which were written by Solomon, of course, to the Shulamite woman. Now it starts with the Shulamite and she says, let him kiss me this is a woman that desires the man, a church that desires its Lord with the kisses of his mouth. For your mouth, for your love is better than wine because of the fragrance of your good ointment. Your name is ointment poured forth. Therefore, the virgins love you. Draw me away. 
the daughters of Jerusalem are the friends of the Shulamite woman and says, we will run after you. The Shulamite who is the church says, the king has brought me into his chambers for a desire to have koinonia with her. The daughters of Jerusalem says, we will be glad and rejoice in you. We will remember your love more than wine. The Shulamite woman says, rightly do they love you. I am dark, but lovely. Praise the Lord for African women. I am dark, but lovely. All daughters of Jerusalem. Says, like the tents of Kedar, like the curtains of Solomon. Do not look upon me because I am dark, because the sun has stunned me. My mother's sons were angry with me. They made me the keeper of the vineyards, but my own vineyard I have not kept. To her beloved Solomon says, tell me all you whom I love where you feed your flock, where you make it rest at noon. For why should I be as one who veils herself by the flock of your companions? In 8, the beloved says, if you do not know of fairest amongst women, follow in the footsteps of the flock and feed your little goats besides the shepherd's tents. I have compared you, my love, to my fields amongst Pharaoh's chariots. Your cheeks are lovely ornaments. Am I giving mysteries to people who are newly married? If there's something you want to tell your wife today is her cheeks are lovely with ornaments. Your neck with chains of gold. Now I'll skip the poetry because I do not have the screen today and move to chapter 2, which is where my text comes from today. Now in chapter 2, the beloved says to the Shulamite in chapter 2 that I am the rose of Sharon and I am the lily of the valleys. I am the rose of Sharon and I am the lily of the valleys. I am the rose of Sharon. I am the lily of the valleys. Now it is uh, interesting for us as Bible students to note that uh, God calls himself the rose of Sharon. Now normally a compliment like the rose of Sharon should naturally be a compliment that is preserved for the woman. It is hard and impalatable for you to imagine that a man would call himself the rose. Can you imagine if a mom came to vibe you and he told you that I am the rose of Sharon? He gave you compliments about himself. Yet naturally you expect that when a man comes to you to ask for your hand in marriage, they should give you compliments about you. But God, Christ, Solomon, refers to himself as the Rose of Sharon. Now this was a greater reality that even Solomon did not understand because God knew that he would use this letter to express his love and affection to the church. Now let me tell you what the rose of Sharon is. Now in Israel, back then, these days that place is not there, there was a place called the Valley of Sharon. Now the Valley of Sharon was in the foot of Mount Carmel. Now it is said by the herders and by the people who went to take care of their father's sheep that the most beautiful flowers they had ever seen were found in the Valley of Sharon. So herders would go and get their friends and get their loved ones to take them to this amazing place 
where they would see the most beautiful flowers that they would ever gaze their eyes upon. Now, amongst these beautiful flowers, the most beautiful flower was the rose of the valley of Sharon. There was consensus in Israel that though all these flowers in the valley of Sharon are beautiful, the most beautiful amongst the flowers is the rose of Sharon. So the highest compliment that a man could give a woman at the time is to call them a rose of Sharon. That was a declaration that amongst all the beautiful women of the world, amongst all the Miss World Kenyans, amongst all the Miss Worlds in the world, you are the most beautiful of them. But there is a juxtaposition in the book of Songs of Solomon because the man comes to the woman and declares himself the rose of Sharon. He does not give this compliment to the woman, but he gives this compliment to himself. Jesus declares to the church that I am the rose of Sharon. That I am the rose of Sharon. This is like a man who comes to a woman with a rose flower, a single rose flower, as a declaration of love to the woman and instead declares that I am the rose of Sharon. Now let me give you ten context to the rose of Sharon. Now ladies, are you here? Ladies, are you here? Can I give you some wisdom about how to deal with men? And if men, if I am right, please, I need you to back me. Now the worst thing you can do to a man, Pastor Julie, is compare him to another man. If you want uh, your husband, Reverend Lovey, to buy you a Mercedes, do not tell him, please buy me the Mercedes like the one Pastor Stan has. That is the worst thing you can do to, to a man. You don't compare a man with another man. You don't come and say, why is it that we can't buy a TV like the one Pastor Doc has? If you stopped at TV, you would have had better results than when you continued to compare me with another man. Men don't like to be compared with other men. In fact, if you read about the story of David, how many of you remember the story of David? David and Saul were boys. Do you remember that? David and Saul were friends. In fact, it is Saul that invited David to live in his house. This is in 1 Samuel chapter 18. I would have read it for you if you had the screens. Saul loved David. For every mission that Saul wanted to send someone, that was a critical mission, Saul sent who? Saul sent David. Because Saul believed in David. It is Saul himself who offered his daughter to David, Michal, and said, David, you shall marry my daughter, Michal. Now in Hebrew culture, in Hebrew culture, the greatest compliment you could give a man is a compliment to his ability to be a warrior. To his ability to be what? Jabba, to be a king. That is the greatest compliment that you could give a man in Hebrew culture. Now in Hebrew culture, the most desirable man in the land was the man that was the greatest warrior. All women wanted to be married to the greatest warrior. Now there was a time that David went to battle. Do you remember that time? And he defeated a man called Goliath. And Saul and David were happily coming back from victory. But when they entered Israel, the Bible says the women started saying that David has killed tens of thousands and Saul has killed thousands. 
That is where the beef started. That's where Saul noticed uh, this guy. I am being compared to this guy by the women of Israel. In short, those women were saying to Saul that David is a greater man than you. That when it comes to being desired in this land of Israel, though you are king, David is of greater desire to the women of Israel than you. And the Bible says that Saul was angered and from that day onward, he had his eyes on David. The greatest compliment you could give to a man at that time was in reference to his ability to be a warrior. In reference to his ability to be a conqueror. Now, women loved warriors because they knew when you married a warrior, you would never sleep hungry. Because warriors would go to the battlefield and after they had conquered nations, they would carry the gold to their house and share their spoils with their wife. So the richest, the most elegant woman, the one who shopped at Vivo in Israel at that time was the woman that was married to the greatest warrior. Because the greatest warrior had a heavy loot of gold in his house. So all women looked forward to being married to the greatest warrior in the land. Now I grew up in Islands. Huh? I grew up in Islands. I don't know whether there's anyone who grew up in Islands. Omar, Jerry. I am one who grew up in Islands. Now one of the things that, uh, that used to happen in Islands, you know when I tell you that the devil makes you glory in things that should cause you shame. That was us. We gloried in things that should cause us shame. Now in retrospect, I am ashamed of some of the things I did. But let me give this to you as an illustration. We were very proud of being in gangs. In Umoja too. We were proud of being in gangs and we were proud of violence. There was this thing we called Guoko. Now Guoko was after we have finished our exams, we would look to the next school and go and fight them. It was a mass brawl. Like a hundred people fighting another a hundred people. And we would beat all the schools in Umoja. Because the school that I went to was the rowdiest amongst all. So we were proud of our status as the warriors of Eastlands and as the warriors of Umoja. In fact, we were so proud of it, we formed a gang. We called ourselves Umoja Renegades. And we were in primary school. And we would beat up anyone who's not a member of our gang. Now we had a guy, our leader was called Scott. I know this someone is not being recorded, so you won't hear it. So Scott, Scott used to train us on how to, on how to, on how to steal from people. So there's this thing we used to call Nyongolo. Nyongolo. So Nyongolo was that uh, there is this ability to put a man to sleep <laughs> with a lock of your, of your arm. So we would go, we would look for a kababi, a nice guy, like a Jaden, you know, who has strayed into the wrong side of the hood. And then we would look at their J's, we start calculating the net worth. And then we would send the tallest amongst us to in three minutes, the guy was asleep and he was dispossessed of his property. Now, of all the gangs in this country, we were the kindest because we would give you some sleepers so that you don't walk barefoot. So we did not leave you bare. We, at least we left you with something to allow you to stray back to Buruburu or stray back to the Babi areas that you came from. Now, one of the things that Scott taught us is you have to be discerning of the person that you are about to younger because the person could be a greater warrior than than you. So you needed a lot of intelligence to know who is a victim and who is not to be messed with. Now I had a friend of mine called Collins. 
Collins was a black belt in Kempo. You know Kempo? Kempo is mixed martial arts. It's karate and kickboxing combined. He was a black belt level six. Now, for you to understand how dangerous Collins was, Chuck Norris is a black belt level 12. So Collins was six levels away from Chuck Norris. And you guys know Chuck Norris can beat everyone. He was a black belt level six. Now, Kolo used to pride himself in walking into dangerous areas for practice. Because he knew that a few guys would accost him and he would teach them a lesson. Now, Collins was so dangerous, he was certified by the government to be a weapon. True story. At that level of martial art intelligence, when you fight with another normal human being, it is considered an unfair fight. You are considered an armed assassin. You are like a person who went and fought someone with a gun because you have skills that they do not have. So on to you, if one day you decided to go and collect where you had not planted and you met Kolo, you would be taught a lesson of your life. Now, in, uh, in, in, I, I went to school in Kisumu, though I'm not, I'm not Luo, so uh, when you guys were learning about Mekatilili Wamenza and Majimaji Rebellion, we were learning about American history. <laughs> so, yeah, we were being taught about George Washington. Hey, you are being made to be global citizens. Now, George Washington is one of the people we were taught about. George Washington is considered the greatest soldier that has ever lived. Did you know that? Because he is the one that led America from breaking free from the colonialism of the British Empire. Now, in military terms, the greatest honor you can ever receive is to be called a seven-star general. A seven-star general. Now, there is no human being in the world who has ever been a seven-star general apart from George Washington. And George Washington was made a seven-star general posthumously. He was made a seven-star general after he died. You know, after he died, that's when guys realized, by the way, so they decided to add one star. So the greatest living general is a six-star general. Now, you'd imagine if a six-star general was walking, and you decided to younger them. That would be the end of your life because you would have gone to a territory of a man who would be able to defeat you. David was a great hero. David was a seven-star general. Now the Rose of Sharon, the Rose of Sharon is a compliment given to a man who is perfect carrying an image that bears their perfection. So the rose is a physical expression of the perfection of the man who is carrying the rose. Just as the stars on the chest of a general are a physical expression of the courage and the valor of the man upon whom the stars have been pinned. So when God says that he is the rose of Sharon, when Christ says he is the rose of Sharon, as he comes to you, the Shulamite woman, he declares that I am a perfect man and I am carrying an image that shows that I am the most perfect amongst men. He declares to you that I, I am a man of valor, that of all the warriors that have ever existed, I am the greatest warrior. And in this rose that I come to bring to you, Shulamite woman, I declare to you that there is no man in this land that is worth of your heart. Because of all the men in this land, I am greater. I am greater than Saul, who was desired by a thousand. 
I am greater than David, who was desired by 10,000. I am greater than Solomon, who had wives and concubines that you could not count. I am the most desirable man that you could ever, ever set your eyes upon. So Jesus declares to us in the book of Songs of Solomon chapter 2 that he is the rose of Sharon. That if you are to give your heart to him, that if you are to open your heart to him, you would open your heart to the perfect man and the greatest general that has ever lived. Now Pastor T reminded us of this, that the gospel, according to scripture, is news that your enemy has been defeated. The gospel, the literal meaning of the word the gospel, is news that your enemy has been defeated. I don't know whether you know the feeling of having your enemy defeated for you. Some of you don't understand this because you do not know this feeling. You have never been bullied. Have you ever been bullied? If you have ever been bullied, you will understand how it feels when someone comes through for you and defeats your enemy for you. There's a time that uh, uh, there was a group that was greater than uh, Umoja Renegades. They were called Russia. So one day he went to fight them and they showed us dust. They tandikered us properly and they made us give them ducks for living. Can you imagine their children who live like that? So every week we would save our lunch money to pay tax to Russia because we had been beaten by a greater army. Now there's a guy called Stevo, again who was my friend in Islands. His brother was in the University of Nairobi. So one day his brother got wind that his little brothers are being harassed by another group of little men called Russia. So he gathered men from the University of Nairobi and they looked at that group and they showed them dust and they told them, please never touch our brothers again. So from that day onwards, we walked in Eastlands with confidence. Not because of the victory that we had procured for ourselves, but because of the victory that our bigger brother in the university had procured for us. Jesus has procured a victory for you that is greater than you, that is greater than one you can procure for yourself. That is why he says in Colossians chapter 2, verse 15, that I went in, I disarmed the principalities and powers. I went in, I took the written code that was against you, I nailed it to the cross. So the day that Jesus died on the cross, on that day he was declaring to you, as his beloved, the Shulamite woman, that one of the greatest things that I have done to you and for you, my lover, is I have defeated your enemy. I have defeated your enemy. I have taken away that that your enemy used to oppress you. I deserve your love because in my greatness, I have procured for you something that you did not deserve or something that you could not have. Now, if you read the compliments in the book of Songs of Solomon, the things that, that Christ calls the church, at that time, the church did not deserve those compliments. In four, he calls them, he looks at the hair of the woman and says, your hair is like a flock of sheep descending down. A flock of goats descending down Mount Gilead. Your teeth are white. They are like a sheep that has been freshly shown. Again, you can't understand this because you haven't interacted with goats and sheep. But at that time, it was a big compliment. It was similar to singing a Bruno Mars song to a woman. I will catch a grenade for you. This was a catch of grenade of the time of Songs of Solomon. It was the highest compliment. It was the highest compliment that a man could give a woman. 
Now God, the warrior, Jesus, the warrior, Jesus, the rose of Sharon, comes and gives you a compliment that is greater than one you deserve. Because in reality, you are not that great. But he sees you for what he's going to make you to be. Now today it would be absurd if one of you went, as I am about to finish, to Koinange Street, right? If you went to Koinange Street, for those of you who are young, Koinange Street is the SI unit of, of uh, prostitution in Nairobi. So if you went to Koinange Street and you stopped and you looked for a woman who is in the business, let me use that word, and you asked her how much and then she gives you the figure and she jumps into your car and then you told her, I want to marry you. I want to make you the wife of my youth. And then you come and say, Pastor Doc, you know me, I don't want to lie to you. Me, I'm being honest. Eh? I went to K-Street Jana and I saw this. She, she was fire. And I've decided to marry her. Pastor Doc would probably ban you from marrying that woman. And you'd bring counselors and elders upon elders, upon parents to instruct you on how wrong you are in marrying a woman of loose morals, for lack of a better word. Now, this is what Jesus did. The Shulamite woman who represents you is not a woman of valor or a woman of virtue. But when Christ refers to her in the book of Songs of Solomon, he sees her virtue. Because he comes with his glory to impute her with that glory. It is him that will make her to be the woman that he wants her to be. It is him that will make her to be the bride that he wants her to be. So when God and Christ is referred to as the rose of Sharon, what he is saying is, that when I go to that cross of Calvary, I will sacrifice my glory. I will sacrifice my glory so that you shall be glorified. So when God says, I am the rose of Sharon, when Christ says to you, I am the rose of Sharon, he is saying that I am the one that wants to make you perfect. I am the one that wants to make you glorious. That's why he declares in Isaiah chapter 61 that I have come to give beauty for ashes. I am looking for you, the Shulamite woman who is ash. And I come as a rose of Sharon. And I will sacrifice my glory at the cross so that you may be glorified. I have come to give you beauty for ashes. I have come to clothe you with a garment of praise instead of despair. I know you are in despair, but I am the rose of Sharon. I am the greatest warrior that ever existed. I have defeated the enemy that turned you into ashes, that sunk you into despair. And if you open your heart to me today, I shall give you beauty. And I shall give you a garment of praise. Now there's something beautiful about a garment. A garment gives you the glory of the owner of the garment. That's why in the story of the prodigal son, the first thing that the father did is he covered the son with his robe. Basically, he was telling the people, do not look at my son as who he is, but esteem him with the glory that you would esteem me. So when the prodigal son was walking back into his father's house, he received the honor that was due to his father. An honor that he had not worked for, but an honor that his, word, his father had clothed him in. When Jesus called himself the rose of Sharon, he declares to you, that I want to clothe you with my glory. I want to clothe you with my love. I want to clothe you with this precious thing that I have procured for you from the cross. I want to give you all the things that the enemy had stolen from you that I won for you at the cross of Calvary. This is who the Rose of Sharon is. A perfect warrior. 
a perfect gentleman, a perfect king, a perfect man who has married you in your imperfection, oh Gomer, and oh Shulamite woman, and he wants to perfect you and he wants to beautify you. On that cross, as one of our famous singers says, he says, like a cross trampled on the ground, he took a fall and thought of you above all. So my message to you today is that God loves you. And God is serious about his pursuit for you. And God wants to have koinonia with you. God is interested in your heart. God wants you to be interested in his heart. God wants a relationship with you. He is serious. He has paid the price to be your husband. He has paid the price to be your warrior. He has paid the price to be your king. Now one of the worst things that can ever happen to you is to, is to have a friend who does not love you for you. Or to have a spouse who does not love you for you. I know all of us have that friend. Do you have that friend? Eh? I have friends who call me. As soon as you see their call, you know that this person wants money. So I know I have friends like that who call, hey, Pastor Lovey, how are you? Oh my God, you blessed us. That's someone on Rose of Sharon. I've never seen it like that before. Man of God, you're anointed. You know, you're just counting. Ten, nine. When it gets to one, you're like, now, Pasi, um, I'm in a bit of a fix. Eh? I was looking for 500 shillings. And then you give them 500 shillings. The next time they call you, praise the Lord. Oh, it is a beautiful day today. Man of God, I am stuck at the petrol station. I am looking for 1,000. It is tiresome to be in a relationship with someone who does not want you for you. Who wants you for your hand instead of your heart. Now, God wants us to have a relationship with him because we want to be in koinonia with him. Because we want his heart and not his hand. Because when you get his heart you shall find his hand. When you find the heart of the Father, you shall find the hand of the Father. Let me tell you, there is nothing you cannot do for someone who you love. Nothing. There is no cost you cannot spare. I know you have done this before. I know that you have traveled all the way to Kitengela. Where is Gideon? Because of love. Every day. And when, when your friend asks you, Kitengela ni too. Because of love. I did these things for my wife. I used to walk her all the way to Chiromo. And let me confess to her, some days I didn't have fair bag. So, I would walk in the darkness at 10 p.m., risking my own life because I had to see the woman that I loved every day. The things we do for love are crazy. When someone finds your heart, you will give them your hand. Kings have given up to half their kingdoms because of a woman that has found their hearts. And today, church, as I begin this series, I'd like to tell you, find the heart of the Father. Find the heart of the Father. The Father wants to give you his heart. Jesus wants to give you his heart. Jesus is interested in koinonia with you. And there is no cost he will not spare to find you. That's why in Isaiah he says, I will give nations for you. It's an irrational gift. Why would a man give nations for one person? Because I love you. There is no price too high to pay for someone that you love. I don't know whether you have ever been in a situation where a loved one has been kidnapped. I know of a friend who was in such a situation. And they called him. His wife was going home. We were neighbors in South B at the time. His wife was going home at 10. And while she was saying goodbye to her friend, thugs jumped into the car and kidnapped the woman. And they called and said, if you do not send us 5 million, we shall kill your wife. I saw how desperately this man looked for this money. 
he was willing to sell the shirt on his back so that he may gain back his love. There is no price that is too high to pay for he that you love. God has paid the highest price. God shared his glory. Jesus shared his glory. He left the comfort of heaven and lived like a man just for you. He died the most shameful death that anyone could die on the cross just for you. He experienced the most excruciating pain that anyone could ever experience just for you. And today, as he says in Revelations, he knocks at the door of your heart because he desires to have koinonia with you. He desires to have fellowship with you. So I'd like us to stand and pray. We are going to be in this for the next three Sundays. So there's no hurry. I'm done. Let's stand and pray. And I'd like you to pray and ask God to allow you to find his heart. Let me tell you, when you find the heart of the Father, your Christian life will change. Your life will never be the same again. It is that day that prayer will stop being a burden. Because prayer will be like a date to you. You will know that you are spending time with the Rose of Sharon. With him that sacrificed his glory so that you could be glorified. With him that defeated your enemy. With him that withheld no cost just for you. The day that you open your heart to the rose of Sharon, your service will change. You will come to church ready to praise him because you will have an understanding of the love that he has for you and of the cost that he was willing to pay and he paid to procure your love. So I'd like you to just open your heart to God and tell him, Father, fill my heart with your love. Give me an understanding of your love. Teach me how to be in love with you. Some of you are introduced to Jesus the wrong way. You are introduced to the hand of the Father. Today God sent me to tell you that I want to give you my heart. And I want to give you koinonia. I want to enter into a time of fellowship with you. So just open your heart to God and say, Father, fill my heart with your love. Lord, help me understand your love. Thank you for sticking into the end. We hope you are blessed by this message. Follow us for more of these messages when new episodes drop. And make sure to rate us so that more people can find out about us. Bye-bye.